the plan was to extend our uh, uh, sermon series on financial stewardship uh, for three, three or four weeks. And uh, after looking at uh, what we talked about last week, I thought, no, nah, I, I think uh, at this point God's Spirit's going to take what we have learned and He'll, he'll take that and, and uh, grow it the way that He wants to. And, and as I began to think about what's going to be happening next week, as we have our annual meeting, and uh, we are going to be affirming as a congregation that the members of the, the congregation will affirm the budget um, that our ministries will operate on and our missions team will operate on. We're also going to be affirming the ballot, which would be the, uh, the names that have been put forth by our leadership for elder and deacon and deaconess, uh, as well as trustees and things like that. And, and I, I, I realize that in the seven years that I've been here, we've really never preached on church leadership and what that is all about. And I thought it might be a good idea to spend a few weeks talking from Scripture about how God has wanted His church to be designed when it comes to leadership. Now, we begin, though, with a quiz. And Josh, don't go on to the, don't go on to the, the, the mission statement. Don't, don't do that, because that will give these guys an out. Here's a test. How many of you guys know what the mission statement of Powell Butte Christian Church is. Does anybody know that? No, you don't have to say it. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But have, do, do you know our mission statement well enough to say, I, I feel comfortable about where this church is going? Now, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's published every week in, in your bulletin. And if you look on the inside cover, you'll see it. But, um, and just to not put anybody on spot, uh, now Josh, show us what our mission statement is. <clears throat> PBCC, Powell View Christian Church, exists to, why don't you say this with me, to know, love, and serve God by helping people to connect to Jesus Christ and God's family, encouraging them to grow, to become more like Christ, equipping them to serve in ministry, and facilitating the body of Christ to go both locally and globally in the expansion of God's kingdom. Now, every elder that we have on board, every deacon that we have on board, they understand this. In fact, uh, this statement came about uh, through meetings as we continue to look at what was important and what God has called us as a congregation to do. That if you are in leadership, you have understood this and you are on board with this statement. Now, it really, having church elders, um, what is that supposed to look like? That, that's where I want to start today because we are an elder-run church. And so what does that really mean uh, as, as we uh, vote to affirm the elders that are put up for re-election next week? What does it mean to have elders? It, does that mean it's like having a congressman? Or if you're really mad at something that's going on here, you're going, I'm, I'm talking to my elder. And he's going to get things done and changed around here. Is it really like that? Or is there a different way of looking at the leadership? I believe that when you start to do a biblical study on church leadership, you're going to see a very consistent model that Jesus himself established for us. And I figured since we're called the body of Christ, since we're called to be the bride of Christ, since we belong to Christ, it might be a good idea to look at his model and to model our leadership style after his example. 
Now, during his earthly ministry, one of the most important things that Jesus did was to develop a group of leaders, uh, disciples first, who would learn from him, who would eventually reproduce themselves. And there was a way that Jesus wanted them to approach this responsibility of leadership in his kingdom. If you look at Matthew chapter 20, you'll read this uh, from Jesus himself. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Now that's an interesting uh, phrase, to lord it over. It really means to, to establish a tyranny, like I'm in charge, you need to listen to me and do what I say. That's how he says the rulers of the Gentiles lead. He said, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Then I love this. He says, it shall not be like that among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as, and here's the model, here's the example, as the Son of Man, that was, he's talking about himself, as the Son of Man came not to be served by others, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As the church continued to be established, we, we see that this model uh, of servant leadership was actually also taught by Paul as he would go out to the Gentile nations to, to make disciples of them. Uh, although Paul was instrumental in planting a lot of those churches, we see that he entrusted those congregations to a team of leaders. Uh, in, in Acts 14, we see how Paul and Barnabas uh, ministered in the towns of Derby and Iconium and Lystra and Antioch. And we read this in Acts 14, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. You see, Paul and Jesus understood that ministry, first of all, needed to be shared ministry. Uh, there's not just one person uh, and uh, top-down leadership, one, one guy, CEO of the whole thing, and everybody has to do what he said. It's a shared leadership, and Paul didn't even feel like he needed to be the guy. He appointed elders in every congregation who would share this oversight, this ministry, this responsibility of leadership of the church. And, and finally, we see in, in the book of Acts uh, chapter 15, when there's this dispute about uh, the, these new Gentile believers, they came to the church in Jerusalem and, and they began to talk it amongst themselves with prayer. The, the, the leaders had gotten together, the elders and the apostles, and they prayed and they came to a consensus on how to handle that issue. Not one person was in charge. Peter didn't just get up and say, hey, I'm Peter you got to listen to me and do what I say at all. They had this shared leadership as Jesus had modeled and taught for them. Now, that doesn't mean that there are no specific roles because when you even look at the, the, the disciples, though, how many disciples did Jesus have or how many apostles did he have? Twelve. And yet, even amongst those twelve, they, they seem to have different roles there were three of them that he would take uh, to, to go on special retreats, uh, Peter, James, and John. That doesn't mean Peter, James, and John were better than the others. They just had a different responsibility. As the early church began, you see that Peter definitely had a special role. It didn't mean that he was better. It just meant that God was using him to open up the door to the gospel to the Jews. 
as he was there on the day of Pentecost. And though everyone was speaking to people about the gospel, it was Peter's sermon that was recorded in the book of Acts. Peter was also there as the Holy Spirit was imparted to the Samaritan believers. He was there as the Holy Spirit came to the Gentiles as well. So, so though Peter was among the other apostles, there was a special role that he had. And in, in, in doing so, we, we understand that even amongst the, the eldership, there might be specified roles that people would have. As Peter was there with a special role in the Jewish world, it's Paul that we see having this special role in the Gentile Christian movement. Paul had this influential role among the elders of the churches. Back in Acts chapter 20, he's leaving Ephesus, a church that was very dear to his heart. And he didn't know if he was ever going to get back there to see these guys. So he felt it was important to bring the elders of the church of Ephesus to him and he would impart some final instructions before he would leave. In Acts chapter 20, this is what he tells the elders of the church of Ephesus. He said, keep watch over yourselves and over the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. See, Paul had an influence over the elders. He was not claiming to be the guy that had to be in charge. He could have. He was the apostle Paul. But he realized that as he left, it was important to have these guys share ministry with him. And so it was more of a role that he would have to come alongside of them to encourage them, to guide them, to support them, to train them. And, and Paul was all about training. If you look in the book of 1 Timothy, this is a letter that Paul is writing to a pastor, a young guy that was his protege, a man named Timothy. And he was telling Timothy about how to appoint elders and what they should be doing. And one of his trainings is found in 1 Timothy chapter 5, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Now, next week, we're going to be looking at the qualifications of elders, and you're going to find that one of them is that these leaders should be able to take God's word and make it clear, make it plain, to teach and to preach the word of God. But even in, in that group of elders that are able to teach, there are going to be people who will take a more prominent role up front. Now, those are the ones that get called pastor right? You, you see a guy up here talking, well, you're, you're Pastor Trey, you're Pastor Steve, whatever it is. And, and so we think that they have, those people have this priority. Not so, because you, you understand that though they have a more public role of preaching and teaching, it's really all of the elders that need to share that, uh, that, uh, that uh, responsibility in the church. So I, I, want to, I want to start this week with talking about what the Bible says about the role or the place that elders have among us. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at the qualifications. Uh, the, the week after that, we're going to be looking at deacons and deaconesses and what God's Word says about those people. And then the fourth week, we're actually going to be talking about you and what your role is as people of a flock in, in relationship to your leaders. But let's look at right now the place that, that elders have in New Testament churches and what it should look like. Uh, there's actually three words that, that are used in the New Testament to explain the role of an elder. 
Uh, and, and it just shows the complexity of, of this role. First of all, there's the word presbyteros. Now, as you look at that word, you, you should see that that looks very close to something that you might see. There's churches out there called Presbyterian churches. And they, they base their structure upon this idea of the elders being presbyteros. Well, presbyteros just means elder, which indicates somebody older than somebody else. But I'm sure that you understand this. There are a lot of old people that are deserving to be elders. I, but I also know old people who are not very mature. <laughs> right? I'm not looking at, I'm not looking at anybody not looking at anybody, not trying to imply anything. But just because you're older doesn't necessarily mean that you are deeper in your faith. I've known some very old people who are very immature in their faith, and I've known some younger men who are very mature in their faith. And so really this idea of elder doesn't necessarily mean an age. It means as in their understanding and in their relationship with God, that they are on their journey of faith, just like we are, but they have deepened that and can lead other people down that road. That's presbyteros. The second word that is used is called episkopos. Does that look a little familiar as well? Some of you might have been a part of an Episcopalian church. Episkopos basically is a word that means overseer. Somebody who watches over something, who supervises something. That's used about five times in the New Testament. It, one time it's used about Jesus. In 1 Peter, Jesus is called the overseer of your soul. But in all other cases, it's, it's talking about the role of elders to oversee the spiritual life and growth of a congregation. And the third word is poimen. And uh, we don't have a church that's the Poiman church, uh, like we have the Episcopalians and the Presbyterians. But Poiman just means shepherd or pastor. Uh, now, I, I've told you that the fun that I have when somebody's cutting my hair or something like that, and they ask me, well, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And all of a sudden, they, they kind of pause. And all of a sudden, it's like they, they rewind the conversation that they just had. <laughs> have I said anything that I shouldn't say? And now they don't know how to treat me because I'm a pastor. And they've got this idea of what a pastor is supposed to be like. So I think anymore, I'm just going to tell people, I'm a shepherd. <laughs> see, see what they would do, right? I'm a shepherd. Because it's the same word. Poiman, shepherd, poiman, pastor. Um, it's always translated shepherd, except for in Ephesians 4, where it is translated as a pastor. And, and though, like I said, we use the, that word, word, that term to, to denote a title of somebody today, biblically it's actually used as a role or a responsibility of, of the elders of a church rather than just a title. So essentially I could call you Pastor Troy, I could call Steve Pastor Steve, uh, we, we have all of these elders, we could call them pastors because they are the under-shepherds of our congregation. So these three concepts where when Paul talks to the Ephesian elders and say, be overseers and be shepherds and guard yourself, he uses all three of those ideas as elder and as overseer and as shepherd. Now, does it mean that the shepherds are any better than the flock? Nah, no. Uh, we read in first chapter, uh, first Peter chapter 5, I, Peter is saying, this is Peter. The, the head guy, Peter, right? He says, I exhort the elders among you. 
as a fellow elder. Number one, he's an apostle. Come on, you're the apostle. You should hold that in high respect, Peter. Come on, lord it over us. You're an apostle. He says, no, I'm a fellow elder. He brings himself down into this idea of there's no one better than the other. He also says, I exhort the elders among you, which means that the elders are not better than the, the people who come to church at all. Um, you, know, you know, people say, well, I'm an elder. I'm, I'm in charge of this church. Well, let, let me ask you a question. Here, here's, here's a test. Are the elders in charge of our church? No. Who is? Jesus is. Very good. It, this is God's church. It, even there in, in Acts, when, when he's telling the, the elders, he goes, be shepherds of God's church. This has always been God's church. It always will be God's church. And, and so we don't say, well, the, the elders are in charge. No, the elders are our leaders, but they're not in charge. Jesus is in charge. The Holy Spirit is in charge. It's now the responsibility of our church leadership to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and, and to serve in a special role and capacity. Now, I've been in ministry either as an observer, because my dad was in ministry, or as a vocational minister, or even as a, as a volunteer. I've, I've understood this for about 45 years. I'm 52 almost. And it was about six or seven years old that I began to understand churches and how they, they function. And I will tell you this. Uh, in the churches where they do not follow this biblical model of church leadership, there have always been problems either blatant problems or problems lurking just under the surface. Folks, I hope you understand how blessed we are as a congregation. I'm blessed to be a part of a body of believers who have affirmed some incredibly good, godly men who have the heart of shepherds, who are committed to the great commission and the great commandment, who have come together to share leadership with their strengths and weaknesses, who have understood the importance of discipleship when it comes to leading the flock of God. Are they perfect? No. No. But every single one of them are growing, and they, they are committed to learning more about what it means to be in leadership of the church. So what does it mean to be in leadership of the church? Uh, I'm going to give you an acronym. I'm going to tell you the place, P-L-A-C-E, of, of elders today. And, and this will give you a good idea as to where we are at and, and where our eldership is even learning and getting better as we go along. Number one, P, elders protect the flock. Elders protect the flock. Jesus was very, very clear. He said, listen, predators are going to come in to attack God's church. Jesus saw the people as sheep and they needed a shepherd. He said, we need to watch out for them because wolves will come in in sheep's clothing. Matthew 7, watch out for false prophets, people who will worm their way into the church. They will come to you in sheep's clothing. They'll look like they are part of the flock, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Who is supposed to guard us from these people who will twist the truth of, of Scripture? Sometimes in Bible studies, sometimes even from the pulpit. Yeah, that's right. The, the elders are called to guard you, to protect you from me and from the things that I might say if they are not God's truth. They are the ones who will come alongside and say, no, 
That is absolutely wrong. And so they protect. Uh, Paul warns about the danger in, in Romans 16. He says, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way. So they also protect you from each other. Those who will come in and put obstacles in the way, cause divisions uh, that are contrary to the teachings that you have learned. Keep away from them. The elders are there to protect you spiritually. They are guarding us so that we do not follow the wrong path and, and end up believing a heresy and not the truth of Scripture. Number two, L. Elders lead the flock. Now, I love this one because how do you lead somebody? Well, you have to go down the same path that they're going down. Yes, you're out in front of them, but you're going down the same path. One of the most essential roles of a shepherd is to lead the sheep by way of example. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. You know, this is why integrity is so important for the leader of God's church to be above reproach. We're going to be looking at that next week and what that means. You see, if an elder is not living in accordance in worship, in a relationship with God, he will not be leading anybody down the right path. I think all of our elders would tell you that this by far is the scariest part of being an elder. The idea that we are supposed to actually lead by example. Why? Because we're men and we still have a struggle with our sinful nature and we are not perfect and yet we understand that we are held to a standard as leaders. That's very, very scary. But based on my experience so far, the guys that we have serving as elder here, I'm confident that not one of them will ever ask you to do something that they are not themselves willing to do. I promise you that. I know these guys. They will not have you do anything that they're not willing to do themselves. P-L-A, A. Elders admonish the flock. Now, this, is, this isn't fun to admonish, to come alongside somebody and tell them that they are, are, are not living in accordance to God's Word. Therefore, because it's so difficult, I think it's often neglected in many, many churches. Uh, Paul there in Acts 20 said, I have admonished the flock. What does it mean to admonish? Well, it means to impart a loving warning of the consequences of sin. To issue a loving warning of the consequences of sin. Now, when I was in youth work, in Clovis, California, there was a family there. The Smethers family loved them. Uh, they would fit in right here in Central Oregon. They, they loved to hunt. They, they loved all the stuff that we love, uh, the, the big trucks and going out and, and going elk hunting and things like that. Inside of their home was a gun cabinet that was never locked. They had two boys. Those boys knew something. They knew that if they got into that gun cabinet and started messing around, that their father who brought them into this world, could easily take them out. And it wouldn't matter because he could make one look just like them, right? They had this healthy respect for their father and for the safety with those gun cabinets. Now, I'm not saying let's, let's go out and be irresponsible with that, but what, what Bill had established in his home was this. He had imparted a loving warning for his boys of the consequence of wrongdoing. And therefore, they respected that and they lived accordance with the rules. 
When this practice is carried out in the correct way, in a loving manner, where elders come alongside of people to show where their lives are not matching what, where God's uh, leading would be, it actually will protect the body. Because there's nothing worse than having a sin happen. And everybody knows about this individual and, and they're blatant about their sin, but nobody does anything about it. That sends a bad message, the wrong message, the, a, a false message to the rest of the, the church that it doesn't matter. We live under grace. It doesn't matter. We all mess up. Folks, yes, we are under grace and we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Amen. But this word still means something to us. This is still a standard that God would want his people to live by through the power of his Holy Spirit. So the elders coming alongside actually are protecting the church by admonishing the church when needs happen. P-L-A-C-C, elders care for the flock. (laughs) Now, although the elders are not uh, in charge of all aspects of the ministry, their role is to help ensure that people are taken care of both physically and spiritually. In the book of Acts, when the the apostles saw that there was a neglect of the Greek-speaking widows, they made sure, they didn't do it themselves, but they made sure somebody was there to take care of the people that needed to be taken care of. I love the phone call that I got, I think it was this week, when Troy, who's going to be serving as, presumably, going to be serving as the chairman of our elders in this upcoming year, he said, Trey, I want you to let the congregation know that they should not be surprised if this year in 2020, you'll get a knock on your door and there will be an elder, and maybe an elder's wife with them, or maybe a couple of elders who just want to come in and get to know you. See, the, the insight that Troy had is we need to be caring for... now." now we got a big congregation, so if you don't get a, a door knock in 2020, don't worry, it, it will come. It will come. Because these guys are learning what it means to care for the practical and spiritual needs of the congregation. Uh, in the last six months or so, some of you have actually come in to an elders meeting and we have anointed you with oil and prayed for you. Because we are digging the fact that we can actually obey what it says in James chapter 5. Is any one of you uh, sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. There's a gentleman who comes to our uh, service over in the historic chapel who thought of a great idea is to from time to time have people come forward in that service just to have the the, the elders pray for them. I thought, man, what, what an amazing idea. So when a family has a crisis, guess what? It's not just going to be me showing up. Hopefully you're going to see our, our leadership, our, our eldership come around you to, to lend you care and, and support. When guidance is needed, an elder would be there. When somebody rejoices, an elder would be there. When someone is struggling, an elder would be there. Finally, P-L-A-C-E-E, uh, elders equip the flock. Going back to Ephesians chapter 4, Uh, where it says it it was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service. See, when we get the church leadership model upside down, then we think one guy's in charge and everybody has to do what that one guy says. But that's not the way that it's supposed to be. 
Here it says that even the leadership is put into place to equip the body to do the ministry. It's not like, well, Trey, we need to have the chairs done. That's your job. That's what we pay you for. No, no, you are actually paying me, and, and we have leadership here in place. Why? So that we can help you figure out where you are to serve. And many of you have already figured that out and are doing that in some incredible ways. The role of an elder is to prepare people for, for ministry. Next week, during our Unity Sunday, we're going to be looking at this passage in 1 Timothy that outlines the qualifications of elder. And we're going to then talk about the role of, of, of deacons. But that word basically means minister. And so though we may have some appointed deacons, really God's plan for the church is that we would all be ministers, that we would all be deacons. Right now, I'd invite the worship team to come on up. I know that this was not an inspiring uh, lesson today, but I wanted you to understand that uh, this is important. This is the way that God wants us to operate. So what I would like for you guys to begin to commit to doing is to pray for our eldership, that those men that God has called to be our leaders would be people who would understand more and more their place of leadership.